The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I am your social worker with the microphone. Good morning, and thanks for joining us this morning. My co-host is on vacation, Lauren Deller-Blake, so uh, I'm going to be doing the show alone today, going solo, VoiceAmericaVariety.com, the Catherine Zox Show. Well, I have two guests coming up in this hour. My first guest is right here with us. She is the founder of RomanticRecruiter.com. So if you need advice on uh, how to find that romantic person in your life, she's the one to do it. Um, you already know, and I'm getting this from, from her website. You can go to her website at RomanticRecruiter.com. Jill Ryan, she's the CEO. You already know what you're looking for, but you may not know how to find your ideal date. Visit Romantic Recruiter for successful online dating help, custom online dating profiles, profile improvements, even photo critiques, and professional dating account management. I'm not sure what that is, but Jill's going to tell us exactly what that is, hopefully. She's been described by her closest friends as creative, unconventional, and passionate, a certified relationship coach, and a former major market news writer reporter. Welcome to the show, Jill. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on today, Catherine. Very excited. Yeah, great to have you on, Romantic Recruiter. Okay. Uh, everybody I know, and my friends are baby boomers, Some, most of them who have been married before, divorced, uh, are looking for men and go online and do this online dating stuff, and not too successfully. So um, I'm assuming that Romantic Recruiter will tell my listeners as well as my friends how to do it successfully. Well, there's a you know when you when you look at online dating, there are a lot of initial stumbling blocks that you need to deal with, and things you need to be aware of. When you look at the different types of sites that are out there, you may have a person who won't work very well with a specific type of site. So, a lot of what we do, we do a couple different things. We help people write their profiles because that seems to be a very painstaking process. Right, so you help them write their um, profiles. I don't want to stop with that one. Is there a special way that you should write your profile, certain things you should have in it and certain things that you shouldn't, Jill? Well, I mean, you want to stay away from any of the cliches. Everybody likes to take long romantic walks on the beach. Everyone enjoys traveling. Everyone enjoys, um, you know, cuddling up with a good book in front of the fireplace. So any of those things typically tend to turn people off and they tune them out because, when, when people are actually actively looking for a mate, they typically will read anywhere from, you know, 10 to 30 profiles a day. So if you start to see the same things over and over again, you want to be original. You want to pull one or two things out about yourself that maybe only one or two people will really fully understand. You don't want to cut off the rest of the audience, obviously, but if you've always wanted to learn, say, Mandarin, then throw something in there about that because it's different, it's unique, it will make you stand out. The other big thing that I can't stress enough is humor. 
the process in and of itself is really difficult for people to deal with. I mean, you've got big sites like, say, Match.com, where there's only there's there's 20 million members, right? So a lot of the the reasons that people typically have trouble finding people uh, that are great matches is because it's kind of like finding a needle in a haystack. I think what you just said, though, Jill, if you put something in like you're interested in studying Mandarin, not only you're also going to eliminate, a few, you know, quite a few millions of those people you don't want to see anyway. I mean, you just... Exactly. It's just a waste exactly. of time. And, and you don't necessarily want to... We're not looking for a specific number of responses. By the time people come to see me, Catherine, they are really serious about finding someone. They, they aren't interested just in regular dating anymore. Typically, they're on, you know, their second or third serious relationship. A lot of them have been married before and divorced. Many of them are workaholics, so they're bright, they're educated, and they, they typically don't have trouble meeting, you know, matches in social settings. It's just that online dating is a completely different beast. You have to be ready and patient for every different type of response you can possibly imagine. There are things that are going to happen, and I tell all of my clients this, things that are going to happen during the process that you, A, never expected, and B, really don't know how to deal with, and that's okay. You're going to get rejected. That's okay, too, because it's a numbers game. You may find, and I find a lot of women do this, they will read a profile, they look at it from top to bottom, and they think, oh, this guy is the one for me. He's it. I'm going to send him a note. He's going to send me a note back. We're going to meet. We're going to go on a date. And they have everything planned before he even responds. And then they're crushed when he never gets back to them, but they never fully understand. You never know. Some people won't respond back. It could be he's in a relationship. It could be he's no longer really on the site. He just didn't take his profile down. It could be a multitude of things. So, so you really have to kind of approach it with, like I said, a lot of humor, a lot of patience, and, and be open and accepting to things that may not fall into your original must-have categories. And don't you think, Jill, you also have to be, um, have a certain attitude? I mean, I sometimes, and I'm relating this to some of my friends who say, well, I, is this a desperate thing to do? Am I going to appear as if I'm desperate because I can't find anybody so I have to go online? I mean, is that one of the issues? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things, that, one of the very first objections I almost always get is that, oh, I could never do that. That would be embarrassing. If my friends found out I was doing that, oh, I don't know how I would deal with it. But here's the thing. Back 10, 15 years ago, right, no one did this. I mean, Internet dating was kind of like a big, black, deep abyss that was kind of unknown. And a lot of people had the misconception that everybody was a liar, everybody was a criminal, and that nothing good could ever come out of this. And now it's starting to become more of a societal norm. So a lot of the clients I deal with just happen to be very elitist. They have no, no trouble going out with friends and meeting people and going on dates. It's that those second and third dates are not with the people and the quality and caliber that they're actually looking for. So in that situation, uh, there are different sites that are starting to cater to different niches and categories. You know, there, if, if you're in a certain age bracket, if you're a certain ethnicity, if you're a certain religious affiliate, it, it, all of those things can kind of help narrow your search. But even from there, there are so many possibilities that I recommend to each of my clients when we don't do the profile management section, which we typically save that as kind of a last resort, what we do is we're really not matchmakers. I mean, we give people the tools to 
kind of pick which sites they want to do. We write their profiles for them. They fill out a questionnaire, and so we kind of assess what their personality characteristics are and kind of get their profile all packaged up and very nice and neat for them. We give them a creative headline, which is very important because you can have a great profile that there could be something minor wrong with it. Maybe it's just plain too long, or maybe it's too wordy, or maybe it just doesn't grab someone's attention. There are, are dozens of things and mistakes that you can make with that kind of thing, but we present the profile and we send you make a Joe, can you sure. make a mistake by being, let's say you, you know, you're, you're actually, you're, you are a coach and that's what you're doing, coaching them how to get out, the, communicate, put their information up there so they can find the kind of person they're looking for. Right. Can you appear to, like you said, maybe they don't write well or they haven't written their bio, correct, you know, in a way that's going to attract anybody and then you help them do it? But then maybe that's who they are. And so then when they meet somebody, they're meeting somebody who um, maybe is expecting somebody who does communicate well or who maybe is, you know, maybe, I don't know, we haven't talked about the photograph, but how accurate should that be? I mean, shouldn't you be really accurate about who you are, your shortcomings as well as your uh, the things you do well? so that You, you absolutely should. And, and by no means am I ever going to suggest that you should change or misrepresent who it is that you are or who you're looking for. But it kind of comes down to this. If you're going on a first date, chances are you're probably not going to wear your ratty jeans and your flip-flops. You may. If that's your identity, then that's okay. But chances are you're probably going to take a shower. You're going to get dressed. You're going to put something on that you're comfortable in that you feel looks good on you. So what we do is we don't try to change. That's, that's why we have the questionnaire in place. It doesn't necessarily change any of the qualities of the person we're packaging, it's that we're putting them together in a way that actually gives them the ability to sell those same qualities in an attractive manner to someone else. All right, got it. Now, what about the photograph? Because that's a question that comes up. I've had girlfriends asking me, and I really don't know, because I'm not a romantic <laughs> recruiter. So it's, it's, it's how, good, you know, how young, I, how old, how much Photoshopping should the, the photograph have, how realistic? <laughs> tell <laughs> Well, you know, I have a client right now, actually, in New Jersey, and she um, she's a little bit older, but she went on a date and realized that the guy she was on the date with had posted a picture of his son. So he was actually much older, and he had completely misrepresented who he was, and she was very polite, so she finished the dinner. But at the end of the dinner, she's like, Jill, I didn't know what to do. So I just kind of said, look, it's clear to me that, that you misrepresented yourself and I'm not interested in that. Never a good idea to Photoshop anything. Never a good idea for the guys to stand in front of a car or a jet or anything that they think is going to change their chances of attracting the right woman. I get every type of photograph possible. Um, I recommend really a photo that doesn't involve anybody, even if you're a single mom or a single dad. Leave the kids out of it for now because what that does is it turns some people off. You don't want to put the cart before the horse, so to speak. You want to get to know. The point of Internet dating is that you cast your net far and wide. You want as many chances as you possibly can. Some of them may work. A lot of them won't. Most of them won't, in fact. But you want to get as much opportunity as possible, so you want to limit the number of uh, potential people to view who you are. From there, you want to narrow it down. If they're reading your profile, really you only have about maybe one to two paragraphs 
at best to pull them in. Okay. You don't really, you don't really want to go. A lot of women tend to be very long-winded. The men, the We've men, got about know, they, they thirty seconds left. Out. We could go. So I want to make sure because the, the listeners can they know that the website they can go to because there's a lot, obviously, more information on the website. And if they want your services, romanticrecruiter.com, Jill Ryan, right? So go to the website, and all the information is there if they want to employ you or you know get you know if they have other questions. Um, I think it's anything else that they should know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, we, we offer several different services, but I do free consultations with a lot of my clients. I, I enjoy helping people, and so it's in my best interest to make sure that they're on the right site. So a lot of times they'll call me and say, well, Jill, you know, I've been on eHarmony and this site didn't work, and why do we think? And, and I'll make recommendations. And, and all of that, I, I, I really genuinely try to make sure that they're in the best fit I also do the personal coaching, and I charge by the hour for that. But, again, that's more along the profile management, which is saved for the executives who are so busy that they don't have time to weed through, you know, hundreds of responses each month. So we kind of screen those profiles for them as well, and that's an additional service. You can find out more about that on the website as well. But Terrific. Great. It was great having you on the show today, Jill. Thanks so much. Lots of information, lots of really Thank you. Thank you very much. I hope you have a great day, and to your listeners as well. Great, thanks. Romantic recruiter Jill Ryan. We're going to take a short break right now. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone here on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. And coming up next is the author of The Go-Getter's Girl Guide. It's all about the girls today. Deb Shigley, I'm Catherine Zox. Don't go away. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. Thanks for joining us this morning. I am Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone right here on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. I'm glad to have you here with us this morning and glad to have the author of The Go-Getter's Girl Guide, Deborah Shigley. She's here to talk about her new book, Every Office Has One, A Go-Getter Girl, someone who just seems to know certain stuff about how to get the plum jobs. I always hated those girls because I never knew. Life, you know, she (laughs) knows the lifestyle she wants. And I just went to a party last night where that, that... whole thing happened to me and always looks great while she's at it magic no says deborah it's about strategizing the go girl girl the go getters girl guide shows you how and uh, this book was born out of interviews with hundreds of successful stylish young women and uh, ones that we're all very familiar with um Soldat O'Brien, obviously, is one of my favorites. I guess you interviewed her as well. But Deborah is a graduate of uh, Harvard University and also has a degree from Georgia State College of Law as a journalist. Um, she worked as an editor for Atlantic Magazine, and she's been on The View, uh, Movie and Makeover. Uh, she has numerous, been written, written for numerous publications, including uh, Daily Candy. Um, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Deborah. Thank you so much. I'm delighted. And listen, yeah. you can go to DebraShigley.com, obviously, for more information. Uh, okay, so the, this is uh, its a tongue twister, actually, the Go-Getter's <laughs> Girl's Guide. Get what you want and work in life and look great while you're uh, at it. Okay, so there are certain things that we do, right? You've got very specific guidelines in the book. Um, let, should we start with navigate the tricky terrain of office politics? That's one thing one must do if you're going to... Um, be a girl go-getter? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's probably one of the biggest areas, especially when you're fresh out of school, that is a little bit daunting. You know, you, even if you've sort of had internships or that kind of thing, once you get in the work world, there's really not directions of how you're supposed to talk to people and what kind of information is too much information to share with your coworkers. And I think a lot of young women that I've spoken with, that's sort of their first real-world experience. Like, well, what am I supposed to do in, in this situation with, you know, for example, catty colleagues or something like that? So it, it can be a challenge. Yeah. All right, so it's a challenge. You go to work. You haven't had the experience. You've been in school, graduate school, law degree, uh, whatever it is, right, whatever. And you get into the actually this whole office politics thing. Um, did you, I'm asking you, this come out of your own experience or lack of experience when you first got into the working world? I think a little bit of both. Uh, you know, I talk in the book about a, a, an experience I had just sort of finding my way before I fully entered the work world. I'd done a number of internships and still wasn't feeling like I knew sort of what direction I was headed in post-graduation and I had reached out this is the story about Soledad. I'd reached out to her just sort of in a, a random letter because I admired her career and I admired all that she'd accomplished. And 
she wrote back to me. So I think even just in a few conversations I had with her, I had a, a little bit of sort of ammunition going into the work world as to an, uh, an attitude to sort of have about uh, being focused, being uh, strategic about uh, you know my plan of how to get that first job and all those kinds of things. And once I was in the work world, I noticed a lot of women around me maybe didn't come in with even just those few little pieces of wisdom that might have helped them in those first couple phases. So they seem to flounder a little bit. Yeah, and how does it work against you, Deborah? If you don't know office politics, and this is your first job, let's say yeah. you come, you know, you're in Washington, D.C., New York City, you, you land a job with one of these big companies, law firms or accounting firms or Wall Street or whatever it is, and you just, you know, you think that because, and I think women tend to do this, and I may be wrong, yeah. They, you know, if you've worked hard and you graduated cum laude from the college that mm-hmm. you graduated, that they're going to recognize your work and you're going to do fine. But that's not so. No, it's. I think it's a big mistake women make is sort of this belief that the work world is purely a meritocracy and the way we think about it when we're in school. Because when you're in school, you know, there's grades, there's, you know, class rank, all of these things that I think women in particular we we like those kinds of achievement uh, achievements and you know one woman i was speaking to recently said you know the book spoke to her because she was like you know i got into the work world and i i was like where are my gold stars like where are all the um you know accolades for for the great work i'm doing and a lot of women do kind of put their heads down and and don't you know either you know they think they're kind of above Managing the office relationships, you can call it playing office politics, all those kinds of things, but it is a, a big part of the work world. It's not, you know, if we were just going to be getting grades for the rest of our life, then we'd remain in school. But in the work world, you have to navigate those relationships. You have to forge relationships. You have to have mentors, allies, all of those kinds of things in order to uh, not just survive, but in order to get ahead. So if you want to get ahead, then you've got to, all right, so we have to read your book. But <laughs> So... We've said that. Uh, get Deborah's book, and you will get ahead. But okay, we're just going to give you a little insight into a few things that are in the book. Um, you just mentioned find and use a mentor. I mean, what does that mean mm-hmm. in the context of getting a job for? And I'm talking about big companies. I suppose it's the same for small companies, but it's a little bit different. Right. Yeah. Well, I think you know, mentoring. Many of the women I spoke to actually said it's really misunderstood because. My opinion on mentoring is that it's actually not really for getting an actual job. Mentoring is more of a big picture uh, approach to your career. And just from different women I spoke with, we kind of narrowed it down to three different kinds of mentors that you would need. You would need big picture mentors, like the big gun mentors. It could be like industry leaders, people who you really ad- admire. It's kind of a, a reach almost of someone who you know, it's the pinnacle of my career, I might want to be like this person. And you want to try to have one of those kind of mentors because they can give you a very sort of long lead view of your career and give you some really helpful little bits of wisdom along the way. Then you would also need... But before you go uh, to the next one, Deborah, when you say a big-picture mentor, someone who is like, really made it big in the field you're in, I mean, yeah. do you... Let's be... Specific, like, do you approach them? Do you, like, you, I mean, someone like, well, let's say it was Soledad O'Brien. I mean, do you write to her as you did, or someone of that caliber? Is is that what one should do? I think you know it depends on the situation. You have to sort of analyze it from you know where you're coming from. I think one thing that 
young people can do, especially when they're in college. I mean, you're having access to all of these people who come speak at your school. You know, the professors who are often, you know, big names, very accomplished professors, industry leaders will often come to colleges. And I think young people really underestimate or don't appreciate at that moment the access they're having because you can, you know, stop by after a lecture and say hello, maybe get the information. And, no, that might not develop into a 20-year-long mentorship, but if you have a spirit and sort of an attitude of reaching out in a non-stalkerish way, you know, to people who you might admire, uh, you know, sometimes they do. There is a connection formed, and in keeping touch in touch over the years, it can become a more solidified mentorship. But I think having an open mind uh, in terms of who you're reaching out to is very beneficial because you don't really know who is going to have a, a big impact on your career down the line. I think that's an excellent point, and, and, and also coming from you, someone who graduated from Harvard, for instance, you know, you have access to a lot. You don't have to graduate from Harvard, right. but you do have, because not too many people do, but you do have access, as you say, and I think with the Internet as well, it, these people are much more available and much more readily available, and I think going yeah. after the big fish is really something that's very realistic in the context of, that you go to and having access to them on the Internet. It's, it's different than it was 10 years ago. Yeah, it is. I mean, you can, you know, Facebook friend people. There's LinkedIn, all of these things, which really are a very powerful uh, vehicle to sort of flatten um, the hierarchies, you know, even, you know, in your, in your school, in your company, all of these different things. So it's the... The people and the access is out there. You just have to sort of be open to it and go out there and find it. Is there a downside to that? Let's say you, you know, you you do you graduated from a certain school. You had access to certain people who are really big in their field, the same field mm-hmm. that you've decided to go into, and you try to access them and they don't respond. I mean, is there really a downside to that? Um, you know, in terms well, of one's career. I think you have to, you know, first of all, always be professional. Um, you know, if you're reaching out to someone who you admire in a professional sense, you know, your letter, even if it's just a short email, should be very businesslike. You know, you're not going to be pouring out your heart about kind of personal details. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, especially if they are, you know, relatively well-known people, very accomplished people, they're very busy, so... You may not hear back at all. You may not hear back for a long time. You may have a mentor who you've, you know, been in regular contact with for 10 years, and they still might not get back to every single email you send. So I think you just have to think of it more as a numbers game, as with anything. Um, you know, sometimes the connection will happen. Sometimes it won't. And that's just sort of the way it is. And I think that, but if you kind of take a more strategic approach about it and be very, very professional in your outreach, then you have a better chance of making that connection. And there's other little things you can do, you know, if there's any sort of connection, like you went to the same college, you went to the same, you know, your, your fellow alumni, you have a, a friend of a friend or something like that, even a connection on LinkedIn or Facebook. These are all things that can sort of help, uh, sort of close the, the, the chasm when you're reaching out to a stranger. Yeah, so making that connection. We are yeah. going to take, uh, we've got 30 seconds, so we're going to take a short break. Um, Deborah Shigley and I, uh, she is author of The Go-Getter Girl's Guide. Um, 
Don't go away because we'll be back in a minute. We've been talking about mentoring, and we have lots more to talk about. I'm Catherine Sox, your social worker with a microphone. Uh, Don't go away. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Are you living with passion, purpose, and play? Are you ready to overcome your fears, claim your power and purpose to make your mark on the world, but don't know where to start? Tuck Self, the Rebel Bell, will inspire and empower you to squeeze as much juice and joy out of life as possible. You'll find your passion, live on purpose, and do it all with a boatload of play. Join this amazing voice for Tuck Talk every Monday at 6 p.m. in the East and 3 p.m. in the West on the Voice America Variety Channel. Live rebelliciously and on your terms. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to the Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472 5788. We're back. Thanks for joining us. I'm Catherine Zox and I am your social worker with a microphone on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. And this morning I am talking to Deborah Shigley. She's author of The Go Getter Girls Guide. Uh, Get what you want in work and life and look great while you are at it. We haven't even talked about looking great. We're talking about the serious <laughs> stuff right now. And, as well, if you're just joining us right before the break, Deborah and I were talking about one of the things you have to do besides navigating the, as she describes it, tricky terrain of office politics, one of the things to do when you get your job is find and use a mentor. And, and Deborah, you said there are three different types of mentors. We were talking about the big picture mentor, the mentor who you, you know, somebody you really admired who's big in the field that you're in, whether it's law or medicine or business, whatever it is, and make sure you have access to them. What's the second kind of mentoring that we need? Well, you need workplace mentors, and these are people that actually work in your workplace because no matter what field we're in, there is, you know, some kind of vocational training that goes on, whether it's learning how to, 
use the, the databases and sort of technical tools that, you know, whether it's you know, the computer programs, all of these things, you know, you're not going to be calling up your industry leader to help you, you know, figure out, um, you know, kind of like the ins and outs of your day-to-day job. But, and it, but in order to do that, you need actual people who are kind of, you know, guiding you. And sometimes when you first start a job, they'll kind of, you know, hook you up with someone who's your peer or, or it could even be your boss who's kind of just showing you how to do things and giving you guidance and, you know, telling you where the, the good lunch places are and all those kinds of things which, um, you know, kind of help you get acquainted with your profession. But if it's your boss, if it's your boss, it's one thing if he's telling you the local lo- restaurant to go to right. or would he tell you the local restaurant to go to if you want to meet and greet with people so that lunch also becomes a business lunch. I mean, maybe that's another story. but Yeah, um, no, exactly. But he wouldn't be he or she want them to mentor you? I mean, do you want them to know how much you don't know? I mean, would you be, is that a... I, I would say no. I would say um, in general, you know, mentors, I don't think you should ever think of them. Well, peer mentors are a different story. We can talk about that in a second. But in general, your, your workplace mentors, your big gun mentors, you have to sort of remain a little bit on message. You don't want them to think that you kind of don't have it together. So, you know, these are not people that you go to with your, um, you know, kind of trials and tribulations. That like are, I don't know how to use of, the database, and they say, well, we yeah. hired you because we thought you knew how to use the database or whatever. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> we don't need you, anymore. you might not go to your actual boss, but a lot of times, you know, they'll, they'll hook you up with a, with someone who's maybe, you know, the second level, if you're, you know, if you're a junior employee, maybe there's someone who's been in the role for a year, so she knows how to, you know, use all the stuff and where everything's located and can kind of show you the ropes. That's what we're talking about with workplace mentors, show you the ropes and give you some training on whatever you're going to need to do your job well. And so, so how do you know who to trust? How boss. do you know who of... to trust? Like, that's what I want to know because I, I, I hear from some of these big companies, you know, everybody is like really out for themselves, very narcissistic, and you really can't trust anybody. So if you're there trying to look for someone, maybe, as you say, Deborah, not your boss, but somebody else, how do you know that they're not, you know, kind of behind your back? talking about you, about what you don't know, or sabotaging your work? How do you... Well, I I think you raise a really excellent point that I think people uh, miss... They they overestimate how nice people are going to be in in the workplace of them. And and like you said, a lot of times people do have their own interests in mind. We, We hope that they're not out to sabotage us, but they just might be. And so I think the, the, the go-getter girl attitude, if you will, is to always have your antenna up. And I think you should come to it with a spirit of professional generosity because it really is true what goes around comes around in the workplace. And, um, you know, you want to be focused on what your goals are and you don't want to contribute. I, I w- personally wouldn't advocate being, um, you know, narcissistic and sabotaging someone else's career for the sake of your own, because that'll that'll come around to bite you later on. Um, but you know, you have to develop a little bit of skill at picking out who are the people that are going to have your back and who are the people who will help you, even on kind of mundane things. And sometimes that can take a few weeks just to sort of get the lay of the land. So I would sort of be in an observation mode if you start a new job for you know a month or two. Kind of keep to yourself. Kind of look around and see you know, who the, who the 
professionally generous people are, who the power players are, who the uh, well-connected people are, all of these things that you can really observe kind of listening more than you talk in your first few months on the job. Yeah, good advice, and be cautious about it. I like that. Yeah. Okay, next, now, there was a third mentor or a third type of mentoring as well, right? Yes, it's uh, peer mentors, like friends, friends and family, who I think these are the people who kind of get our most, um, I don't want to say, uh, you know, frazzled or sort of, you know, desperate work queries. Sometimes you just sort of have a crisis, and you might need to go to someone who knows you a little bit better, who is going to just sort of listen and not uh, judge you in a professional sense, and that might be your best friend. And I think uh, now that I've been out of school for, out of college for 10 years and, uh, you know, have many friends and who are, you know, 20, 30 years out of college, of course, and many of the women I interviewed, you know, peer mentors, you don't realize that as you progress in your career, so do they. So peer mentors down the line, you know, you're, you're going to have friends in all different kind of careers, and they can just help you with stuff, whether it's, you know, you want to all your, your transitioning careers. They can give you advice kind of on a very sort of informal basis. Um, you know, you want to plan an event at work, and you've never done something like that before. You might have a friend who works in PR who can kind of give you some pointers in a very informal way. So peer mentors, I think you can, you know, you can open up a little bit more to them, and they are, you know, people who might be a little bit closer to you who uh, it, it's, a, it's a more kind of friendship in a way. Yeah, it's more of an intimate mentoring kind of thing. Right. And right. they're also a couple, maybe, you know, at least one step away from your actual work environment. So they can give you a, a perspective that's different, uh, very right. different. Yeah. And you can keep connected with and social networking, um, and which is great, uh, and which makes it really easy to do that, to keep, as you say, that you have a whole network of these kinds of peer networking people and access to them. Um, oh, yeah, it's true. I mean, it, like Facebook, LinkedIn, all of these things, it's just even more, I mean, it's, it's who can say if it's reached, reached a sort of tipping point yet, but I mean, it's, it's a huge part of getting ahead, I think, nowadays, because people, everybody's on, and you can see what your friends are doing, you can see what people are working on, there's opportunities, people will even post jobs and things like that, and there's, it's, it's a, again, sort of an it's a professional but an informal way of sort of, um, you know, getting the message out there. Now, any special or, or one of your, uh, I'll, I don't want to say favorite, but something interesting or something that really stood out in some of these women, obviously a lot stood out in the women that you interviewed for the book, hundreds of successful, and as you say, stylish young women, we will get to style, but successful, <laughs> any um, you know, a story, kind of like a zinger that one of these ladies uh, had to or shared with you in terms of how they became so successful. Well, I think one that really sticks out is uh, Carly Roney, who is the founder of TheKnot.com, which is a hugely successful, it's the number one wedding website um, for any ladies out there who are getting married or anything like that. And she has a fascinating story. She founded the company with her husband and, and two other partners, and she spoke a lot about sort of the myth of work-life balance. And um, it kind of helped me create a, a new idea, which is more like work-life triage, which is, you know, a constant sort of reprioritizing over many years of different aspects of our life that we would like to fulfill, including, you know, family relationships, all those things. And she, she you know, she spoke very candidly about, you know, breastfeeding her, her baby, like on conference calls, because they, they started this business with some venture capital, and it kind of just was, you know, full speed, you know, 
I think she said like, you know, 16-hour-long work days for, for a number of years and how she, you know, kind of joked that she doesn't believe, she does, she can't believe she has any friends left from that period because, you know, she and her husband were just so focused on work and that's all they sort of talked about. And, you know, then, you know, years later she had to, you know, she pulled, made an active effort to kind of pull that back a little bit, um, she said in our interview. And I, I think that was a really sort of powerful, candid story to share because I think especially for Generation X and Generation Y, we've sort of been fed this belief that you can have it all, uh, and you can, but you can't necessarily have that early in your career. Yeah. And I, I don't, you know, having it all, I think, and, and this is a really important point because I don't, you know, that, I think it's a, it's a myth. It's the same, it's a different kind of myth than the Cinderella myth, you know, happily ever after, but it is a myth. You have mm-hmm. to, and, and I like this work-life triage as opposed to work-life balance. Uh, yeah, you know, at a meeting in New York last night, and uh, the speaker was uh, an accountant from Ernst and Young, one of the big, big, uh, you know, accounting firms. And she spoke about what you're similar to what you're saying. Um, she said, "You really can't, you know, if, if you're going to go up the corporate ladder, you really can't get off on the off ramp. If you get off on the off ramp, and you want to." figure out how to do this work-life triage thing and still stay working, and then you give up a lot of stuff that has to do with family life. But, you know, you get stuff and you lose stuff, but you can't get it all. Yeah, no, I, I've heard many women say, you know, you can't, you can't have it all at the same time, which is, is kind of what you're saying. If you want that sort of corporate career, there are demands that come with that. And, you know, companies are making a lot of initiative. There I um you know, I've heard you speak with other guests about, you know, daycare programs and things like that, you know, that, that companies are, are doing now, and those are great. But I think, you know, with experience in law, for example, you know, litigation doesn't happen on my personal schedule. And I think there or are Or the baby schedule, the nursing schedule, or when the kids get right. sick. <laughs> right. I mean, there are jobs that require you to be there at certain times, require you to be at the sort of uh, beck and call of your clients and things like that. And so... It's interesting because, and maybe this is for a future book, because I do hear many women kind of reaching this shift uh, in their 20s and 30s where they're, they're wanting those other things, family and um, you know, marriage and all those kinds of things. There, there's a shift towards you know, carving out your own niche, whether it's you know, moving towards a more entrepreneurial career, um, you know, going to a more uh, freelance-type schedule, consulting, those kinds of things, which are ways that women are making it work, but I think the fundamental is that, you know, some professions do require you to give up more of yourself and schedule, and that's just the way it is. And you might come to a point where you confront that for yourself and make a decision to choose a different path. you stay with us? We're going to go to a short break, and we'll be back, because I want to finish this. I think that's an excellent point. We're talking to Deborah Shigley, and she is author of The Go-Getter Girl's Guide. Very important book for you ladies to read. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. We'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. 
total career success. What does it mean to you? Voice America presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for total career success on Voice America. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are there any mistakes in your life that you've made that you want to keep? Think about that for just a second. Are there any mistakes in your life that you want to keep? Creativity is allowing yourself to make mistakes, but art is knowing which ones to keep. Join internationally recognized author, speaker, and master coach M. Nora Claver for Bare Naked with Nora Claver, a celebration of life and all the inevitable mistakes we make through the course of it. Join Nora Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. Thanks for joining us this morning. I'm your social worker with a microphone. I'm Catherine Zox on VoiceAmericaVariety.com. And we are talking, and we have been talking to Deborah Shigley. She is author of The Go-Getter Girl's Guide. So if you're a go-getter girl, you want to be a go-getter girl, you've got to go and buy the book and, and listen to the rest of what we have to say. But, Deborah, you were talking about, we were talking about choices, really, you know, this, this expectation that work balance and women can go maintain their, balance their work and their family and work for big companies or even in entrepreneurial situations. But you mentioned a different term, and I like this, work-life triage, which is a different way of looking at women in the workplace. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think, you know, that one of the, the women I spoke with, she had a really interesting sort of analogy, and she, you know, runs a nonprofit and is, is very involved in her community, and she said, you know, and she has two kids, and she's married, and she said she kind of thinks of her life in terms of buckets, and you know, she has maybe four or five different buckets of, you know, family and career and community and, um, you know, fitness and all these different things that she likes to sort of be on top of. But, you know, each of those buckets isn't full at the same time. And she actually makes an active effort to kind of sit down with her husband and, you know, reevaluate, okay, well, how are we doing in the money bucket? How are we doing in the in the community bucket and all these things? And I think that, you know, helps someone to kind of, you know, keep a bigger picture view that, you know, over the course of a year or something like that, you might, you know, have a significant amount of fulfillment in all of those things, but it's not going to happen at once. And if you're pushing really hard at work, you know, that might not be when you're having the vacations or able to go to every single, um, you know, family event or those kinds of things. And, you know, 
hopefully our you know our relationships we can we can kind of withstand that and understand that everyone goes through those phases if we're really pushing hard at work. Yeah, and I think one other piece to that, Deborah, is that you really have to be clear. First, you have to be aware, as you're saying, of what's in those buckets and how much you're, you know, what you're doing in each one of those work family. Um, I think the other piece of that is that to be aware and to understand how important, perhaps, your choices are. I mean, you have to make really... It's important to make good choices, and um, I think, and not just get drawn into things because they look good, they feel good, and they may not be bad things in and of themselves. Let's say an extra meeting at work or a retreat at work, but maybe it's something you don't have to do, so don't do it. Just be real clear about the choices you're making because you only, and you, you cover this in the book, but you only have so much time and so much energy. And I think yeah. that's energy piece, and you at the end you talk about have to take care of yourself physically and emotionally, or none of this stuff will work. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, we do, you know, we do kind of, yes, there are jobs that have demands on your schedule, but I think, you know, people do what they want to do. You know, if you really want to work out, you can. I mean, I, I remember kind of, you know, summering at a, a law firm, and it was, I think, you know, some of the other people kind of, it was joked that I was, if there was ever a free you know, period of time where I wanted to, you know, go to work out in the, you know, when you're working the law firm, you're kind of work late hours and those kinds of things. But if you have a little break, you know, there's a gym right in the office. You go down and do like 30 minutes on the elliptical or whatever, and it, it kind of gives you that little break. And so I think if you, if you do make the choice, if you make the decision to fit something into your day, then you can. And I think, like you said, you have to sort of be honest with yourself about, what your priorities really are and not sort of um, use anything as a cop-out because you do have control over certain elements of your destiny uh, in the workplace and with your schedule. And women tend to, and this is a stereotyping, I know, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm going to do it anyway. We tend to wait till we're just totally exhausted and sort of in this give-up mode before we decide to make different choices, and you don't have to get to that point, either completely overwhelmed at work, at home, or with both, and then have to do something drastic, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> we don't want to get to that point. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I, it, it's a big challenge, and... I think a lot of it is sort of the, the trial and error with yourself of figuring out what your non-negotiable kinds of things are, whether it's working out, whether it's, you know, your, your manicure appointment, um, not just for having pretty nails, but for that sort of just, you know, camaraderie of the nail salon or whatever it might be. Um, having those, those things that really give you a lot of fulfillment and are important to you and kind of give you a break a mental break from whatever stresses are in your life. And, you know, it's not the same for everyone. You know, some people have, you know, really like going to spa. Some people really like going for a long walk. Some people, you know, love getting together with a girlfriend for coffee. But I think you have to kind of figure out those things that give you just a lot of peace and just a little bit of refuge from sort of the craziness of our our harried sort of go, go, go lifestyles nowadays. Yeah, it's an emotional and a physical break. And to add to your 
your example of doing your nails or doing your toes or whatever you do to yourself, <laughs> yeah. that is less expensive than going to a psychiatrist once or twice a week. So, yeah. take, and, and and sometimes will reap the same kind of benefits. So that uh, you know, it it, it, they, it is it's not frivolous. It's important. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know the exact statistics, but, you know, some of the hair companies are always talking about how, how much having a good hair day makes you feel in terms of your mood. And, you know, little things like that, I think, you know, sometimes, especially as professional women, we think, oh, that's silly, you know, those little things, they, they don't matter and that kind of stuff. But they do. I mean, it makes you feel better. You know, you look good, you feel good, all of that stuff. Makes a difference. They think how bad of... a bad hair day makes you feel, so why not have <laughs> right. a good hair day? <laughs> <laughs> right, it's true. Yeah, it's um, th- those things. You know, make a difference. All right. So we've, I think we well dress. Well, this kind of brings us into dress and groom for success. Um, mm. That's important too. And we get about three minutes to close. So so we we can just touch on that for what, uh, you know if you want to do that. Um, sure. Dressing and grooming real important. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, another thing, you know, again, not sort of thinking the work world is just a meritocracy. You know, people do judge you by your appearance, whether we like it or not. And, you know, why sort of shoot yourself in the foot by not putting the best foot forward? Or I'm mixing metaphors there, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's really a lot to ask of your boss and em- employers and colleagues to kind of look past your, you know, sloppy outfit and think that your work is going to be impeccable because sometimes people do make those misassociations, if you will, um, about, you know, your work if you, if you don't kind of, you know, take care of yourself in a professional manner. Yeah, you're not in college anymore. You're not in right. law school. You're not there to make that kind of, Hopefully you've made those statements before. This is, you have to make a different kind of statement now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And people do judge you. I mean... They, 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 they don't know you. you. They come from different backgrounds. It's not like you're going to the same, I'm getting back to the college thing, the same school. You know, you have that as an understanding. You have people from, you know, very diverse. So, right. uh, yeah, and that's a good thing. But uh, one minute left. So let's, website that listeners can go to, and they should go and, and get the book. They can get it bookstores everywhere, I assume. Um, yeah, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, Borders, everywhere. And go to Deborah Shigley. Dot com. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's your website. Uh, it's been great talking to you today. Yeah, oh, lots. thank you so much. I had yeah. a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you have been listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. My co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake, was on vacation, but she will be back next week, so I um, hope you enjoyed the show. Have a great and uh, Lauren and I will see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.